Shema Yisrael. Welcome to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries with Aaron Budgen. Aaron discovered Jesus is his Messiah while preparing to be a rabbi. He now teaches for several organizations and is the teaching pastor for Living God Ministries. Strongly distinguishing between the Old and New Covenants, Aaron presents the scriptures from a Judaic and historical frame of reference. Join Aaron now as he reveals the reality foreshadowed and the new life we can now experience because of what the Lord Jesus accomplished for us. In Romans chapter 8, Paul explains the differences between walking according to the flesh and walking according to the Spirit. In the previous program, I explained that walking according to the flesh has to do with walking according to the law, because the law deals with the issues of the flesh, and that walking according to the Spirit is something totally different. It has to do with walking according to the love and the acceptance and the peace that you have with your God. That's what I was talking about in the previous program. And in Romans chapter 8, verse 9, he continues by explaining the importance of understanding that this has to do with the Spirit of God being within you, that the salvation that you have received sets you free from the previous life of repentance and obedience so that you can walk in a newness of life that has nothing to do with that previous life. Beginning in Romans chapter 8, verse 9, he says, However, you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. But if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ... He does not belong to him. If Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, yet the spirit is alive because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. How is that going to happen, though? To talk about life coming out of our mortal bodies, what does that mean? Especially when we compare this with the life in the flesh or the life according to the law. What is he saying here? What is he talking about to say that life is going to begin to come out or he is going to bring life to our mortal bodies? Well, I believe this is a description of growth and maturity, that as we grow and mature in Christ Jesus, there will be an expression of the life of God within and through us in such a way that it will be evident in the world that we are a part of as we engage it. In the previous program, I explained that there is a big difference between going out and engaging the world with the expectation that the world has something out there for you, that the world will give you something that will meet the deepest needs of your heart. And what people do is they go out and engage the world with the expectation that they're going to get something out of it. And what we discover when we turn to our God for who he is, is that there is nothing there for you, absolutely nothing, and that he has everything that you need, and that we are to rest and trust in everything that he has given to us, and that we are to now engage the world, not with what we think we're going to be able to get out of it, but instead to engage the world with what we have already been given in Christ Jesus and to walk in the world with what we have, not with what we hope to get. That is walking in the Spirit. And when we do that, there will be a revelation of the life of God in our mortal bodies, as our mortal bodies begin to reflect the living God who is within us. 
And when that happens, we will recognize that we are now living a completely different life, that we have a completely different life. So again, in verse 11, But if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. And then in verse 12, So then, brethren, we are under obligation not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. In other words, we are under obligation, yes, but not to live in obedience to the commandments, not to live according to the commandments, which all have to do with the issues related to the flesh. We are not to live under obligation to obey, to repent. That is not how we live. We are under an obligation, but under a different obligation, a completely different one, and that obligation is to believe. That's the obligation. You are obliged and you are obligated to believe your God, to trust your God, to believe what he said, to believe what he did, to recognize that the sin issue is over, to recognize that he has set you free from the law, that you are not a slave of sin, to recognize all that he has said and all that he has done, to recognize this and to live according to this truth. Again in verse 12, So then, brethren, we are under obligation not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you are living according to the flesh, you must die. But if by the Spirit you are putting to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Well, first of all, if you are still holding on to your flesh, if you are still trying to live under the obligations of the law, you have not come to the end of the law. You have not died to the law. You are still trying to keep yourself alive. But you have died. And you must recognize that if you are in Christ, you are dead to the law. You are dead to it and you are dead to sin. And if you don't believe that, then you had better be more committed to your pursuit of trying to live in obedience, of being obligated to get all the sin out of your life so that you will eventually recognize that you cannot. And then you'll be ready to die. You must die to the law. Again, in verse 13, For if you are living according to the flesh, you must die. But if by the Spirit you are putting to death the deeds of the body. First of all, You must die to the law because being alive to the law does not put away the deeds of the body. Again, if you do not die to the law, then you are alive to the law. And being alive to the law doesn't do anything to put to death the deeds of your body. Instead, it stirs up more sin. He explained that in the previous chapters, that the law brings death. It stirs up more sin. It makes you a slave of sin. So you must recognize that if you are going to put to death the sin in your life, it's not going to be through the law. It's got to be by some other means. And that other means is to walk according to the Spirit so that the Spirit of God can meet the deepest needs of your heart. And when He does, then you will be able to say no to sin. And in that way, you are putting to death the deeds of your body. Not because you are obligated to do so, Not because the law said to do so. You will say no to sin. You will put to death the deeds of the flesh because you are loved by your God. Because you are accepted by your God. There is no other way. There is no other way. 
in verse 14, For all who are being led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. Now, there's a big difference between being led by the law and being led by the Spirit. There is a big difference. There were many people during the time that Paul wrote this who were led by the law, and they believed that they were led by the Spirit, but they were not. They believed that, but they weren't. And that should have been evident by the deeds of their flesh. That should have been evident by the emptiness in their hearts. But when people don't know what they're missing, it's very difficult for them to recognize how evident that truly is. But for those of us who have been resurrected and know the difference, it's pretty easy to spot the difference. We know who our God is, and we know what it means to walk according to the Spirit of life and to be led according to the Spirit. Now, I'm not saying, of course, that the Spirit is going to lead an individual to sin, but I will say that the law will lead an individual to sin. I don't have a problem saying that. Again, in Romans chapter 6, verse 14, For sin shall not be master over you, for you are not under law but under grace. If you are under the law, sin is your master. He said that several times in various ways. This is no surprise. There is no confusion here, except in the minds of the people who don't want to believe, who just don't want to. They're afraid to. And my friend, if you are afraid, I can understand that. I remember what that was like. But please, don't let that fear keep you from believing the truth when you are confronted with it. His love will cast out that fear and he will put to death the deeds of sin in your heart and your flesh will show it. But if you want to continue to live according to the law, the best you can ever hope for is that your flesh might get under some reasonable control, but your heart will never be changed. Your heart will never be fulfilled. Your heart may want to be obedient, but that is not the same as a heart that is at peace because of his obedience. Those are two completely different things. Being led by the Spirit of God is completely different from being led by the law. And only the children of God, only the sons of God, who are resurrected can be led by His Spirit. Those who have not been resurrected cannot be led by His Spirit because His Spirit is not within them. When you look at the law, the law of Moses, how many people attempted to devote their entire lives to trying to be obedient to God? How many people try to do that? Many Many people over generations and generations. And how many of them had the presence of the Spirit of God within them? None. Not one had the presence of the Spirit of God indwelling within them because the Spirit was not given until after Jesus rose from the dead. So of those people who were so devoted that they were willing to die rather than violate the law. Do you suppose any of them were being led by the Spirit? No, they were still being led by the law. And while they may have gotten their flesh under control, to some degree that is still not what he has called us to. He has called us to something totally different according to the new covenant, to show us where peace and rest in our hearts can be found, and that he will lead us and guide us into all truth. He will not lead us and guide us into sin. I have been attentive to the Spirit of God who lives within me for many years. And I do not know of any occasion, I cannot think of any occasion, 
when He has directed me, when He has inspired me, when He has moved me to do something, to say something, to not do something or not say something, I cannot think of any occasion when He has ever encouraged me to engage in the world on the basis of sin. He has never led me to sin, ever. Of course, He doesn't have to. I can do that on my own. But He has never done this. I trust the Spirit of God. And I trust that when He leads me, He will not lead me to commit sin. I believe that. I really do. But there are many people who are terrified. They are afraid that being led by the Spirit will leave you open to perhaps committing sin. Well, sure it will. But whether you are open or not open, or whether you're available or not available, or whether you are distracted or not, doesn't mean anything. It means absolutely nothing. Because there are still the issues related to a person's heart, and the law never transformed a person's heart. A person's desire to want to avoid sin has never kept anyone from doing it. You must deal with the reasons why people sin, and that has to do with the emptiness that can only be filled by the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit guides and leads an individual, we are being led by the Spirit of God on the basis of who He is and on the basis of what we have. And when we are led by the Spirit in that way, yeah, we may be confronted with an opportunity to sin, but it's pretty trivial to say no in those kinds of circumstances because we know our God. We know who He is, and if you know who He is, and you are led by the Spirit, then you have nothing to fear. Absolutely nothing. Nothing to be afraid of. In verse 15, this is Romans chapter 8, verse 15, it says, For you have not received a spirit of slavery, leading to fear again, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons, by which we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. You can know that you are a child of God because of the truth that he has revealed, that he has expressed, that we have documented in the scriptures. We can go through the scriptures and we can see that according to the gospel, when we are resurrected, we are children of God. But there is a big difference between that and when you are led by the Spirit. When that happens, you know that you are a child of God because you know that there is no way that you could ever be led, be directed, be informed. There is no way that the revelation of God could be real in your life unless you were a child of God. And so when he does anything in our hearts, revealing some simple truth that we did not understand, giving us insights in the world that we are a part of, where he can show us what he sees through his eyes or what he hears in his ears. When we experience him through his revelation that he shares with us, we know, we know that it has to be God. And we know, therefore, that we are his child and that there is nothing that will ever separate us from him. He does this in various ways with his children. By revealing something through a verse in the scriptures, by revealing something in our minds when we are confronted with a situation that we are totally confused about. There are many ways that I know God speaks to his children. But I want you to remember when he does. I really do. I want you to acknowledge that and remember that and never forget that. Write it down. Remember that your God is with you, that you are his child, 
and that he wants you to know who he is in a greater way. And then in verse 17 it says, And if children, heirs also, heirs of God, and fellow heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, so that we may also be glorified with him. And then people look at that and think, Oh gosh, yeah, as long as we suffer... Give us some temptations in our lives so that we can suffer. Oh, oh, I really would rather commit that. No, that's not what he's talking about. That's not the kind of suffering he's talking about. He's not talking about persecution or anything like that. He's saying, inasmuch as we indeed suffer with him so that we may be glorified with him also, you got to understand that when you engage the world on this basis, there will be some suffering just because of that. You will suffer, but not because you'd rather commit sin and not necessarily because of the persecution that you are going to experience. But there's going to be suffering just because of who you are, and just because of what the world is, and who they are in the world. There is plenty of suffering to go around for everyone, and so you don't have to assume that you have to be put on a stake and nailed to it, or something like that. Or that somebody has to set you on fire, or throw rocks at you, or something like that. You don't have to think of it that way. Just your existence in the world... Your existence as a living person will lead to suffering because you are here. But through that, the Lord, again, he will reveal himself. Now, going back up to verse 15, he talks about the spirit of slavery leading to fear and that you have nothing to be afraid of. You have not received a spirit of fear or a spirit of slavery He mentions that in verse 15, and I hear a lot of people quoting this, but I don't think they have any idea what they're talking about, because to me, they live in fear. They have to live in fear, especially if you're trying to live a life of repentance and obedience. You've got no alternative but to be afraid, because you're never going to be able to do enough in order to be justified before your God. You're never going to be able to live in obedience to the degree where you can be at rest. You're always going to assume, you have to assume, that God holds something against you. There's got to be something, something that he holds against you. And if he does, you should be afraid. There are a lot of people who make the assumption that that is the holy life, that is the Christian life, is that we walk around in terror of God, being afraid of God. You know, I am afraid of God, but my fear of him has to do with reverence. It doesn't have anything to do with the fear of punishment. I don't fear any punishment. I know that there is no more punishment to be executed against me. And when I commit sin, and I know that he's not going to punish me for it, I don't look to him and say, look at what I did. See, you're not going to be able to punish me. I think I have the upper hand here. I certainly don't think of it that way. I know a lot of people who do, but I don't think of it that way. I don't see that. No, we do not have to be afraid of God in the sense that we should be living with the expectation that at some point he's going to get tired of us or he's going to be disturbed by something that we do and he's going to let us know. He's going to intervene. I don't believe that, but there are a lot of people who really do believe that. And I believe that the reason why they believe that is because they have no idea what it means to be forgiven. And the reason why I say that is because I've asked. I've asked people. I don't just make this stuff up. I ask people. I have asked many people Why are you afraid? And they always say the same thing, and that is, I am afraid because I believe he holds my sins against me. I don't believe that I have been totally forgiven. I really don't. They say this in various ways, but that's the summary of it. That's how people live. 
But here in verse 15, it says, for you have not received a spirit of slavery. Well, the spirit of slavery has to do with being under the law. That's what he said in the previous two chapters. He talked about that. He explained that if you are under the law, then you are a slave of sin. So if a person is bound by this, again, the solution is to recognize that through his forgiveness, he has fulfilled the requirements of the law. So the law has been fulfilled and has no place in your life. But he didn't do that just to leave you in this condition of, okay, now you're set free from the law. No, he did this so that you can be resurrected by the indwelling presence of his spirit and you can now be led by his spirit, not by his law. He does not lead us on the basis of, now be careful, that's evil. And of course, be careful, that's good. Make sure you do that. He does not lead us that way. When people believe that, when people tell me that, as far as I'm concerned, they're still not being led by the Spirit. They're still being led by the law. And they're just claiming that they're being led by the Spirit. No. The leading of the Spirit is to say, You are mine. I accept you. I am thankful that you are one of my children. I want you to know that I am with you. And I will show you what I see. And I will give you wisdom that I am with you and that I love you. So let's go together and I will lead. Let's go together though and enter into this world and together you enter into the world being led by the Spirit. The temptation of sin approaches and he can speak to your heart and say, you see what that temptation is? Let's not ignore it. Let's look at that and see it for what it is. What is it advertising? It's suggesting that if you will engage in this sin, you will find acceptance from somebody in some way. But I accept you. I personally accept you. I am here with you. I am within you. And I will never leave you. I will never, ever forsake you. I will always be with you. And there is nothing that you or anyone will ever be able to do about that. There is nothing you will be able to do in order to get me to leave. I am right here. And this temptation that suggests that you are going to be accepted is nothing in comparison with the acceptance that I have for you right now. So why would you try to be accepted? Why? Why would you bother? This makes no sense. Just let it go. Just walk away. Let's continue in our life. Let's live. Let's live our life letting that go. It has no place with us. No place at all. That is what it means to be led by the Spirit. And this is something that you and your God must experience personally. You must experience this with Him personally. I can tell you about it. But there is nothing that I can do in order to help you know it. In order to help you experience it. Absolutely nothing. This is where I stop. This is the end of my work when it comes to this. When it comes to being led by the Spirit, this is all I've got for you. And that is to say that you must be led by the Spirit. And when you are, He will show you that you are, and you will know that you are. And that will result in you being a testimony of this reality. I can be a testimony of this reality right now, and I can share this with you. But one day, when you see this for yourself, if you have not already, you will. When you see this for yourself... You are a living testimony of the living God, especially in the life that you now walk in. And so do that. And do not 
be afraid. The only reason why you could be afraid is if you sin. And when you sin, you know full well that you should be condemned. But do not be afraid, because he has already condemned the sin. He already died for that sin. So that, yes, this is not what he wanted for you. And you did that, and we understand that. But you are to still turn to the Spirit who is with you and be led. Get up. Continue to walk. Live your life. Don't just stay there. Don't just get stuck there. Don't get paralyzed by your failure. Move on. Get on with your life. See it for what it is. Be truthful and honest. And do not try to hide from the reality that you have failed. Make no mistake about that. But do not believe that you are to be afraid. If you are afraid, then that means he holds it against you and you are done. You are done. You are not being led by the Spirit. Then you are now going to be directed to being led by the law. And then you're really going to be in trouble. No, you must get up and say, yes, this was evil. This was wrong. This is definitely something that I should not do. But get up and finish the day. And tomorrow, live for tomorrow. And live again. And live again. And live again. And never stop living. Never stop learning. Never stop discovering. Never stop. Never, ever turn away from your God because He will continue to lead you. He will always lead you. He will never fail even when you do. Do not be afraid. Again, in Romans chapter 8, verse 15, it says, For you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father, the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, heirs also, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him so that we may also be glorified with him. I believe that that means inasmuch as we do suffer with him and through the sufferings that we experience in life, our God will manifest himself and the glory of God will be revealed as he is reflected within and through us. And I'll explain this in the next broadcast. You've been listening to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries. You can hear all of our programs for free through our radio archive at livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net. Do help us develop new radio programs and continue broadcasting on this and other radio stations. Send your contributions to Living God Ministries, P.O. Box 383-53, Colorado Springs, Colorado, 80937. Or use the donation link on our website, livinggodministries.net that is livinggodministries.net